you ever wish that you could have a therapist as a friend? Well, now's your chance. I'm Marianne Griffith, and I'm the host of the Renewal Session Podcast, where each week we have real conversations about the messy and the meaningful things of life with me and some of my friends. I'm a therapist who's passionate about helping people break free of strongholds and create a better life. Pull up a seat and let's dive in to a real conversation. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Renewal Session. Okay, so I had such high praise for listening to my daughter and I that I decided that I was going to have her back on the show. And I, this weekend was a perfect time because Katie lives in Memphis, and I'll let her tell about herself for a second, but she lives in Memphis, and this weekend is her bachelorette party in Michigan. So, this is the exciting situation that's happening as we're recording this. I wake up this morning. Wait, wait, wait. Let me back up. I decided that I wanted to be a crafter yesterday, Katie. (laughs) So, uh, well, excuse me. Let's talk about (laughs) your chickens in a minute, but whatever. So, so I decided yesterday that I was going to... Well, wait, first. Hi, everybody. Oh, yeah, there's... (laughs) I'm here. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go, Sasha Hart. Hi, everybody. I'm here. I'm Katie. I'm Marianne's daughter. Um, I just felt like I needed to say, hey, because you gave me that whole intro and just jumped into the crafter that you weren't. So, no, but I, okay, so it's just, wait, just, I will give you the floor. Okay, just hold up. Okay, so here's the deal. So yesterday I decided I needed to be a crafter. And I think I have an inner crafter, but you really, really made me reflect on that after you said you felt like you were a chicken farmer last time. Oh, yeah. Right. Anything is possible. So I'm like, okay, I feel like I have an inner crafter in me. You know, I've dabbled with like stamping back in the day and scrapbooking. So anyway, went to, went to Walgreens. Nobody crafts at Walgreens, do they? I I mean, they have colored pencils, but that is not going to be, you're not going to be successful. (laughs) So just, (laughs) you went to Michael's, tell them, tell them the story. You went to Michael's. Right. Oh, okay. So I went to Michael's. I decided I got a Cricut Joy, got it home. Somebody else had had it before. I had to go back today because I had to return it because somebody, like, switched out the stuff inside. Oh, yeah. It was, like, for a printer, like the instructions were, right? Right. Like, who has an Epson? Like, Epson? Epson printer? Whatever. It was, like, but all regardless, it was not a Cricut. Right. So, like, you couldn't even use it. Right. Yeah, okay. Okay. So, I, I we're heading back to the house, but I was like, hey, Katie, I got you all to myself before we get our party on, so let's record this episode. So that is what we are doing. We are driving down the highway in Michigan. On the way back from Michael's from getting you a new cricket. That might very well not get used, except today when Madeline teaches me. And let's be real. Like, the cricket is not to craft. It is to monogram. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, no. like, it's not like you're going to be making platters with, like, cute little family scenes on them or whatever. Oh, like, like those little people? Yeah. Like that it, it's not. Row. Yeah. No. no. It, it's, like specifically you're going to learn to make one monogram and change the color of said monogram and put it on various items in the house. Right. So okay. I just but, yeah. yeah, but I just want to be clear about the monogram situation. I embraced the monogram situation several years ago when I was watching Ellen DeGeneres yeah. and Reese Witherspoon every time. I knew you were going to talk about Reese. Are you I knew that. Right now? I, yeah, I, no, she her, believes in the monogram. Yeah, her That's doorknobs. Her, her doorknobs are monogrammed. Shut up. No, really. <laughs> That's not true, is it? Well, I know for sure that she has a lot of things in her house monogrammed. 
Okay, but why would you just? I just <laughs> why would you say doorknobs if you don't know that? No, I feel like I saw that. I feel like I saw <laughs> okay. that. Okay, we're not a fact-checking show, so somebody else is gonna have to fact-check <laughs> whether or not Reese Witherspoon. It's just like it's the vibe. Okay. You know? Well, like, anyway, anyway, she just she just believes in the monogram, and I in my mind I was like, yeah, I want to be like Reese Witherspoon. Oh, absolutely. I have an inner prep, and just so, just dress in Draper James. I do monogram your doorknobs and carry a wicker basket always okay so real quick about draper james did you know that they are now being sold by land's end like they really products they're, yeah i thought you got a draper james swimsuit no i did not do that no you definitely did mm. you ordered it off of land's end oh no i did not end up ordering that but it was there yeah yeah i forgot about that though okay that is a thing i feel like that's a good pair up i feel no, like I- that makes sense to me like they're both kind of you know, preppy, like New Englandy kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah, makes sure. sense to me for sure. Because I feel like Eddie Bauer used to be in the same lane as Land's End. Yeah, and but then it's they like kind of went like REI on us. Like yeah, back in the day, it's, they were. Yeah, a bit more it's definitely more hikey. Like I'm not a I'm not a hiker. I'm a vineyard girl. Oh really? No. You're not a hiker. Well, let's not get into that. That's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. Yeah. Okay. Sorry if this is like sounds bumpy. We're on the worst road in Michigan right now. We're just on an adventure. It's okay. Okay. So anyway, Katie, yes. tell people about yourself really quickly, and then also tell people your follow up to last episode because you said you wanted to talk about that. So tell me. Okay, so I live in Memphis, Tennessee, um, and I am a social worker. I worked in mental health hospitals for about three or four years um, before moving to Memphis. And then when I moved to Memphis, I got a position as a uh, social worker in a uh, medical hospital. And so I do discharge planning and case management uh, for patients that have medical needs. And so I work a lot with uh, nursing homes to get people into rehab. I get equipment. I work with adult protective services for elder abuse and things like that. So. Um, My career has shifted from working with people um, in mental health institutions now to working in the medical field, which is a pretty cool... Yeah, I love it. I think that the medical field is probably a better match for me because it's very fast-paced, and I feel like that's something that I, like, crave on the daily. I don't like to sit, really, Um, and so I always had a hard time doing like group therapy and like having to sit and like I thought it was interesting and I like I just felt bad though because I had such a hard time sitting for that long well but you what you did not have a hard time with with the group therapy was making your group therapy worksheet binders oh I love my binders you do love your binders I love my binders I actually made them all digital now what seriously I did yeah okay can you send those to me yeah so but yeah so I work in a medical field in the medical field and I love it um so I do have a little bit of background. I have a little bit of lingo uh, for for mental health stuff, but um, it's not what I do every day. So I kind of am. Uh, it's kind of fun to talk to my mom because she does it every day, and so it's fun for me to kind of dip my toes in the water, you know, and try and say stuff that's smart. When you dip, do you wiggle? No, just just a just a dip. <laughs> really? There's no you don't wi- wiggle. There's, there's no wiggle. Okay, people. I don't know what you're meaning by that. No, anyway, I mean, I mean, so like update when on you my... dip your feet in the water, do you wiggle them or do you just lay them in there? 
I usually like just, I don't, maybe I wiggle. I feel like you're sure a splasher. Oh my gosh. Okay, anyway, I'm sorry. That's not, I'm feeling whatever. Very, I'm feeling very ADD this morning. I just think you're happy. Yeah. Like, I just think you're excited to be recording. Yeah. In, in person. It's very different from being in the Home Goods parking lot. So, anyway. Say but, like, oh my gosh. This is the second show we've done it. We were in the Michael parking lot when we started. I know. What's up with us doing that? I don't know. We should probably, like, we should sit down in the house or something. I don't know. Okay. So, anyway. anyway I, I was going to say my update. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Cool. So, anyway. Last time we talked, I was in the Home Goods parking lot. I talked a lot about how to, like, personalize and make your prayer life unique um, I've been experimenting with that actually since we talked last. Oh, and I have been so every day I wake up at six a.m. with my cup of coffee, and my puppy wakes up with me, and she doesn't really quite know that she's like fully awake. She just like kind of moves into the living room and sits with me. And so while we're doing that, um, I've been just like kind of doing like prayerful meditation, kind of. Oh, which has been really good for me. What does that look like mean? Well, I kind of take a look around my apartment and I do like a gratefulness thing, like oh. a, like a gratitude for what I have. And then I'll look up the weather and I'll be grateful for the weather. And I'll just kind of like work my way through the different things going on in my life. Like I'm grateful that I'm training somebody at work and that I'm being productive and that I'm grateful that um, I have a safe place to live. And so I'm I've just been curious. trying to do that. I'm just curious. So when you do this gratefulness, you know, like reflection thing, is this, do you put this under spiritual connection with the creator, with God, like, mm-hmm. or do you keep that separate? No, I think it's like a, it's a gratefulness to God. Like it's a, it's not like a dear God, thank you for. No, I just. It's just sit, a noticing. And I'm just, yeah, like acknowledging and, um paying attention to the things that God has given me because I think it's really easy to like to you know glide around your apartment and be like oh I have so much crap right but like I'm really grateful that I have a couch I'm really grateful that I have a safe place to stay I'm grateful that I have you know I don't know I've just been practicing it because I feel like people do that it's a thing and I I see why people do that I see it. Well, I, I stumbled across, and I got to look at it more, but it, it's this uh, practice called holy noticing. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's like just this idea of noticing what's going on for you and um, being more mindful and, you know, kind of paying attention to how those things feel in your body. And I think, didn't we talk about like the idea that spiritual growth can really be incorporating the, the senses, right? Like, how are you experiencing your faith on a five senses level? Did we talk um, about that? No, but I feel like that makes sense to me. Yeah, I think you should, that's your next uh, thing you should check out. Yeah. Okay, so, but that's not what we're talking about today. We can, though, l- later. Like, okay. We'll, okay. We'll revisit that. So, today, we're going to talk about worry and anxiety. And I don't feel like a lot of people say, I'm worried. I feel like they say, I'm stressed. So maybe the better way to say it is stress or anxiety. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you did a little background research on this, right? I did a little, yeah. Okay. Pull out your phone. Okay. Let's see what you got. So what we wanted to first figure out, because I feel like people use anxiety, stress, worry, whatever, um, interchangeably. Yeah. And we, I feel like we live in a culture that is very like, oh, I just have anxiety. Oh, I just have depression. And those things are very real. 
But when people make those make those statements, I don't know that they're always thinking from a clinical point of view. I think they're they're saying those things based on a feeling or their ruminating thoughts or the way it's interrupting their lives. So I thought, okay, maybe we need to like really hone in on like what is anxiety from like a clinical point of view, right? Mm-hmm. And so in in clinician land, we use a book called the DSM. And the DSM basically highlights different types of mental health disorders or uh, personality disorders, these types of things. So in the DSM, you anxiety can be has certain criteria. Right, exactly. So so one of the main things for the criteria is that anxiety is constant. It it never really settles down. It's constantly going and it's also uncontrollable. So there's this there's this pervasive sense of stress and anxiety that just never really seems to go away even if things are calm. Um, anxiety also does not have a stress or it does not have a trigger. I'm sorry. It doesn't have a trigger. So it can be about anything. Like you could be sitting and nothing is really going on, but yet you're ang- anxious about something that happened three years ago or five years in the future from now, something might happen. Or um, so, so anxiety really doesn't have a way to calm it down. And typically, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the DSM, there's usually like a length of time that this has been going on in order to be diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. Yeah, I mean, I think that you have to say that these are pervasive symptoms for like, typically it's like six months, a year, three months, you know, it's in those months Yeah, category. so it's a long-standing. But it should be like excessive, right? Like it shouldn't, you know, to your point, worry, stress usually has a trigger, right? It's something in your situation, your relationships, your finances, you know, situational types of things. And worry can be, can feel out of control, but typically worry is not going to surprise you, right? Like anxiety. Yeah. Have you ever, like, I I think we've talked about this with people in your life where, um, you know, they'll just be hanging out doing something and all of a sudden anxiety will just overwhelm them. Yeah. And there's like almost like an impairment and that's part of the DSM stuff is that there's an impairment that's happening to your ability to function. Right. So like there are symptoms and usually, so for the DSM, you have to have three of the following physical or cognitive symptoms. And here they are. Edginess or restlessness. Mm. Tiring easily, more fatigued than usual. Impaired function, concentration or feeling, like your mind goes blank. Irritability, muscle aches or soreness, difficulty sleeping, trouble falling asleep, staying asleep, these kinds of things. Which I think is important to note because a lot of the times when people are talking about their anxiety, their bodies will react to that emotion and they they do have that muscle tension, but I don't think a lot of people would recognize that as anxiety. You know, like people talk about, oh, my jaw has been clenched for five hours. My jaw is really sore. Well, your jaw is, if you're anxious, it might be that you're like subconsciously clenching your jaw, right? And so, you know, that's something interesting to think about. But I do think the idea that anxiety is a long-term, uncontrollable, doesn't really have a trigger um, experience, whereas stress is it usually has a, um, a focal point of what the stress is about. 
So it's in reaction to something that's going on in life, whether it be I'm stressed about buying a house or I'm stressed about going and hanging out with this person because I don't really know them or I'm stressed about, you know, getting all of the house clean before guests come over or whatever it is. So there's a there's a uh, event that happens or experience that happens to create that stress. But it's also something that has like an end in sight, if that makes sense. Like once you get through the event or whatever, whereas like once you get through the event and if you're still thinking about it, it could be anxiety as a result of that event. Well, and you know, like you, you can attest to this, that one of my mantras that I've taken on in the last several years is don't borrow anxiety Mm -hmm. because a lot of the things that we get stressed or worried about is a borrowing. Like it's something that's in the future um, that we fear could happen, but we don't actually know. And we don't, we're not factoring in God. We're not factoring in the changes of other people. We're not, there's tons of things that you're just not bringing into the situation that ultimately could change the outcome. And yet here I am today worrying about it as if there's no other factors that could change that. Right. Right. So I always have to ask myself the question, like this worry that I'm having, am I borrowing this anxiety? Yeah. And when I see that future, have I factored in God into any of that? Have I factored any interventions into that? Um, Well, there's also this thing too with anxiety. Sometimes people get anxious about events from the past. Right. And so, um, you know, if I said something to somebody two years ago, right you know, I might be anxious about how that person would see me, but we have this thing in mental health treatment that's called hindsight bias, right? Like we always look at things that happened in the past with with a bias because we know the outcome. Now we know the outcome. Whereas in the moment we were doing and making the decisions based off of what we knew. And sometimes with anxiety is we look back at those events and we Mm. judge ourselves based off of the reaction that we had or the decision that we made but we didn't know all that we know now, right? It's I've never heard that term. Yeah. Hind hindsight bias. Like Where everything. Did you pick that up? I don't Somebody's book, I guess. I don't know. But you just, huh. it's, it's just, you look at the events of the past and maybe judge that or you would have made a decision differently now, but you didn't know. You did the best right. with what you could in the moment, right? And I think that a lot of people ruminate over these events. Yeah, I'm glad you said ruminate. Where yeah. they can't, change the decision that was made they also didn't know what they know now and so the decision that they made was the best decision they could make in that moment or maybe it wasn't the best decision maybe you were totally compromised and you made a terrible decision i mean lots right. of people get in compromising situations and make terrible decisions yeah that's true the difference i think though of what you're saying is allowing past mistakes to determine your future mental state right right like relinquishing like the the control of saying, okay, I did this, but this doesn't define me. Yeah. Right. And I think a lot of times we, we get stuck in these ruminating thoughts. And one of the things I heard recently was this term called appreciation memories. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard that? No, but tell no, me. I'm all into terms right now. Okay. So appreciation memory basically is the concept that like, as you have a ruminating, ruminating thought yeah. that a lot of like cognitive behavioral therapists or, you know, even, even like personal development therapists, like Mel, uh, not, did I say therapists? That's not right. Personal development coaches, leaders, or, coaches, oh, yeah. right? Like Mel Robbins, right? Yeah. She's an example. She will say, stop it. Right, like just stop thinking like that, and and so I think the stop it or let it go idea is like 
common when people try to say, okay, how do I address my ruminating thoughts? But, mm-hmm. but I actually believe that stopping it is just one part of the process to control mm-hmm. the worry. But the second part of that process is the replacement of it with something that is fulfilling, that is life giving, that actually creates a sense of gratitude, a peace of what have you. And so this term I heard was called an appreciation memory. And it basically is, I want you to stop the ruminating thought and, and then start a new thought around a memory that brings you a sense of peace or safety or fun or anything that you appreciate that happened in your life and think out that memory as deeply and as detailed as possible. And the reason why, even though I'm not a neuroscience scientist, I do have this understanding that we have these neural pathways, Mm -hmm. right? And the more we think on something, the deeper that pathway gets. Oh, totally. So if we want to stop the ruminating thoughts, okay, what we want to do is jump the pathway over into a new pathway, and we actually want to thicken this new way of thinking, this new neural pathway. And as we put all of our energy towards that, the other neural pathway begins to weaken. And so it's not our first go-to, right? Yeah. So the idea... Which is such an interesting concept because I don't think people talk about that. I mean, there's lots of... I think, you know, right now, like, you've got Dr. Caroline Leaf. You've got Dr. Um, Daniel Amen. You've got all these people. Even well, like, what's that guy that did the blue book with the little dude on the front? The body, uh-huh. the body heals the soul. What's that guy's name? And that's body an, keeps the score. Yeah, body keeps the score. That's the book. Everybody go look it up because I can't remember the guy's name. I think name. it's Vessel Vanderkolk. Oh yeah, he did that. Yeah. He talked about neural pathways too. And what was so fascinating about that is sometimes people are like, "I can't stop ruminating. I can't do. I'm by myself." Right. But if you have somebody that's able to redirect you, you know, sometimes it does take help to get out of those neural pathways because they're so deep and so ingrained and the anxiety is so overwhelming that it does take somebody to come in and say, hey, we're going to talk about this instead. Yes. And get you out of that train of thought, because I think that sometimes anxiety can be so cyclical and we just get stuck in that rumination. And then sometimes it does require Somebody to come just like even, an, abrupt, an abrupt interruption, right? Or 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 tell your family what to look for if you're having that. Like, yeah. hey, if I've been sitting in the living room for seven hours and I haven't moved, and I've been on Pinterest this entire time, I'm probably ruminating about something. And is that true? Do you do that? I well, I, no, I. You sit for seven hours. You just no. got done saying you can't get through group therapy. Uh, no, I'm just, this is an example I'm making up. But like, oh, okay. but like if somebody was sitting, like worried about what their house looked like, you know, and they're ruminating about that and they're Pinteresting like all day trying to figure it out, whatever, like a family member could come in and say, Hey, let's go outside. Right. Or let's do the dishes. Something that gets your active, like your body engaged and your, and your mind. Because when you get your body engaged, automatically your brain has to focus on other things yes like moving that's good and breathing yeah and not falling right and so automatically all of your brain energy gets dispersed rather than just being focused on that rumination right and you know there are so many like different practices like grounding is an example of like a lot of times when when people are having you know what's it called it's like a reality like you're dissociated but it's not like a clinical dissociation it's just like oh I need to yeah you zoned out yeah 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 so I need to ground so sometimes people will say put your feet on the ground literally like take your shoes off put your feet on the ground right feel the earth yeah right feel feel what it is to feel that also uh, helps if you're traveling also did you know that 
What is that? For people that get motion sickness, they put their feet on the ground and it, like, magnetically, I don't know, I saw that somewhere. Where did she live? <laughs> I don't know, did I saw that, that somewhere. Up? No, I saw that. Where? Somebody did that. I don't know who it was. <laughs> it was on a show or something, and they were like, I like got a... Big Bang Oh, theory. you know who it was? It was, it was uh, Gordon Ramsay. He Gordon was, Ramsay? Yes, there's a show that he has on Disney... Really? Plus, I think, where he's, like, cooking around the world, and he got to, like, Papua New Guinea or something crazy like that, like, somewhere far, far away, and he was like, I've just been traveling for 25 million hours, and I need to get out, and so he stopped the bus that was, or, like, van that he was in, and he was like, I just need to to take in the scenery. Took off his shoes and just started walking around a field. I'm like, Gordon Ramsay, you are the scariest guy in all of kitchen history. (laughs) Like, what are Sweeney. you doing? Well, other than, like, Sweeney Todd. But these made up. Oh, my God. <laughs> you literally just compare Gordon Ramsay to the butcher of Fleet Street? <laughs> I didn't say that. He's made up. Oh, my God. I'm just saying. Hilarious. It was, I'm just saying it was weird to watch Gordon Ramsay walk around shoeless in a field in Papua New Guinea. Like, it and was just a lot. What's that guy that, uh, I don't actually Batali. know. What's the Batali guy that has the orange cracks? Uh, Mar- Mars, Mar- Mar- Andrea. No, that's Bonjelly, Katie. Oh, oh, that's a singer. He wouldn't know if he had orange crocs on his butt. Bless him. Oh my God, bless him. Okay, anyway, but let's let me go back to this whole like idea of ruminating thoughts. Ruminating thoughts can lead to limiting beliefs, right? Yeah. Like there's a snowball effect that goes with these ruminating thoughts. So if we can create, it, just like set up a system, like. A lot of times I say to myself, I know that's going to happen. Like, there's no way. This situation is going to trigger me. So I got to come up with a plan before I even get in this situation because I know that's not going to be a good situation if I don't have a plan. Right. I used to do that a lot when, like, I would go um, visit, like, in-laws. And, oh, gosh. Right. And, yeah. and the thing of it is, is like, my in-laws are fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with them. No, but that required, like, a trip. Like, it was yes, going yes. to Iowa. We had to pack. We had lots like of little, whole like, all the cousins. Everybody got into these little minivans. and Yeah, that was fabulous. So, but but yes. It was great, but it but was a lot. It was a lot. I, I Honestly, I'm so thankful that we had all of those experiences. It just was really challenging. And so I had to come up with plans of, like, okay, just go in your room hang out for a minute, deep breathe. Like that was a thing I had to do. Okay. So I think with worry, with stress, there can be like planning. Now there can be with anxiety too. So I don't want to say that there's not, but usually you can recover the ability to function. I also think that stress can be a motivator Mm -hmm. to move you from one place to another. Right. Yeah. And so, but anxiety disorders actually have this element of detriment to them. And when I, I found this thing the other day that was talking about the recommendation. It was an article and it said the recommendation by all doctors today is that every woman over the age of 13 should be screened for anxiety. Hmm. That the lifetime prevalence of anxiety disorders is approximately two times higher in women than in men. So preventative screenings may be helpful in ensuring that the women and the girls receive appropriate interventions to improve health and well-being. But only 20%, this is interesting, only 20% of the people who have symptoms of anxiety seek treatment. Huh. 
right? So I'm like, okay, so we know it's not it's not new news to to know that we live in an anxious, you know, society. Oh, well, how could you, right? you not with social media and everything? It's like constant. Yeah, and to make matters worse, like everything happens fast, right? Like Papa and I were laying uh, laying down the other night watching TikTok, and we're just flipping, flipping, flipping. And I thought to myself, this is a terrible thing to do right before you go to bed. Because yeah. my mind is just getting shot constantly with this adrenaline. Yeah. Right? But anyway, we can talk about that for another time. But I think what what is valuable about going to therapy when you have an anxiety disorder or, or anything that doesn't seem controllable and is and you're impaired in some way, the value of that is is that person that you're sitting across from is bringing mm-hmm. the the energy that you need in order to slow down yeah right and to be present in the moment and can offer like a sense of calm assurance and help you process through where you're all you're stuck right yeah because I think a lot of time with anxiety disorders the instinct is either to completely withdraw or to fake it right as if you don't have it at all when you really do and then numb it perhaps with alcohol or drugs or these types of things or you're constantly seeking the reassurance of other people well depending on how that person is that day you might not get any feedback Mm -hmm. that you're okay right Right. because they might be like you're driving me crazy right now which is not the feedback an anxious person needs to hear whereas when you go to therapy i think that person's there as a as a non-judgmental presence yeah and so they're just listening to to help walk through whatever it is that you need to be walking through. So I think it's important that if you if in the past you believe um, that you fit the criteria for an anxiety disorder, or if you um, feel like you are you're staying stuck and there's no uh, situational trigger to go and find a clinician. So that they can help you deal with and give you some tools to know how am I going to address this because well, this is something that I really don't want my life to be affected negatively. Right. Well, and I think that some people are, you know, I think a lot of people actually, probably the 80% that don't go to treatment, some of them are probably thinking, well, I want to be able to figure this out on my own. Right. That's a thing. And I think that that's such a great desire, but I think when you're facing something as like permeating as anxiety it can be really challenging to distinguish what is anxiety and like what is my internal just normal level of like identifying threat you know what i'm saying oh because i think that like everybody you know our brains are wired anatomically to be able to defend ourselves right so we have a certain awareness of things that could be dangerous right like oh there's a nail sticking out of the ground i don't need to step on that that's not anxiety that's just normal ability to identify dangerous situations but i think anxiety can sometimes take our brain and convince us that there's all of these threats or there's all these things that we need to be worrying about when in reality that might not be the case and so the benefit of going to a clinician is that you can go and you can say hey I'm really stressed out that this is ha- this XYZ thing are happening, whatever. And they can say, okay, well, let's pull that apart. Is this something that you're witnessing happening right now? Or is that something that you're worried is going to happen? 
Exactly. Right. And so they can kind of balance you out. Whereas I think a lot of people try to go to family for that or friends or their partners. And what can happen is when you try and have conversations about your anxious thoughts, let's just say the example is you're trying to go to your partner and you're like, I'm anxious that you're going to cheat on me. And they're like, well, we've been married for 20 years. I don't have anybody else that like, you're the only person I text. I don't go out. Like I'm with you all the time. Right. Right. You're like, I'm still anxious that you're going to cheat on me. Right. Like sometimes that conversation isn't always productive and it's, you know, like you can try and have it with your partner, but it can be helpful to go to a clinician where they can kind of give you the tools in order to thought stop or challenge those anxieties. Because if like you don't have evidence, you know, maybe it's not worth being anxious over. And so sometimes it can be helpful to not have to always figure that out with a partner or family it's a good it's a good resource yeah 100 percent. 100 percent. so i think this is pretty good yeah yeah Mm -hmm. are you done no i was just agreeing with you (laughs) (laughs) let me keep talking i got i got got anxieties i got worries you do too we can come we can come back to this i i I, uh i think that you know i always feel like we got to keep it kind of short and then do maybe a part two because like, right now, we're at, like, 30-something minutes. Well, let's be real. Like, I'm your favorite person, so there'll be, like, a part gazillion. So, everybody right. just buckle in. Right. Okay. So, then, final final thoughts, people, right? I want you to think about this idea of, do I struggle more often with stress and worry, or do I believe that I am struggling with an actual clinical anxiety disorder? And then begin to think through the functionality Am I being, is this impairing my life? If it's impairing my life, in what ways is it impairing my life? What are the issues that might be contributing to this? I think it's just super valuable. Well, and once you identify, if you think that this is genuine anxiety, maybe think about how could I start to discuss that with the people in my life? And yes. how can I, how can I identify what happens when I'm ruminating, right? Like, trying to identify okay when i'm anxious or when i'm going through x y and z thing how can i tell my loved ones this is what to look look out for please help me in this way and that's sometimes a really difficult conversation to have and so maybe not even jumping into talking to your family about it maybe just having the conversation with yourself okay so we should totally do a part two for this and then people can see like our conversation about anxieties that you have in our relationship or I have in our relationship and just see how we process through it. So not because we do it well, but I actually want people just to see like, okay, this is, these are maybe ways that you talk about this stuff because I think you can teach people a lot of stuff, but when they witness it, they're so drawn in, right? Like, and I feel like we have a really good pattern of communication about things that are hard and so that would be fun, right? Yeah. I would love to expose myself. That would be great. Oh my gosh. Right? Oh, no, so it'll ridiculous. be good. I, it'll okay. be good. Now, you also said, and we're ending right now, so just sum it up fast, okay? But you also said before we even started recording that you wanted to get to pick a topic. So, can you please, like, tell me what that topic is going to be? Because I am so ready to, like, let you lead and you pick the topic. So, what is it? Um, no, I'm not going to tell you. I want you to be anxious about it. <laughs> Shut up. No, I think, I think I want to talk about like, I think it would be fun just to have like a light episode where we talked about storytelling. Oh my gosh. I think that that's a great community. I think that that's a great 
communication pattern. Yes. That is not often used. Like, yes. you know, I think it's kind of like a dying art to be able to tell um, stories. And so I think that that'd be fun to kind of talk about, like, what does that bring to the table? And why, why, why is telling stories a good way to communicate emotion or whatever? Yeah. You know, I think. That or that, lies. Or, li- or just make crap up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Fables. I'm telling fables. Oh my gosh. Fables. <laughs> I'm telling fables. I feel like fables involve like deer. Probably. I can incorporate. You know I, mean? I can like, figure out how to like, put one in. Like what are those called? Like those prancing. Oh, never mind. We're just going to leave ever. you hanging Shut on up. that one. That doesn't make Shut any up. sense. All right, people. Here's the deal. <laughs> okay. So Katie and I are wrapping up for the day. Here's what I want you to know. We're going to have resources over on the renewal session Facebook page. I'm going to, I'm going to post this week, um, different kinds of anxiety assessments that you can go personally check out to see. I'm also going to have my website up and running. It's called the renewal session.com. You can go on there and download a life inventory that will talk about different aspects of your life and some prompt questions. Encourage you to do that. Make sure that you get on the Facebook group and comment and talk to us about things you want to hear us talk about um don't say anything mean to us because we're you know we're not terribly thick skin right i can handle it oh my god you're such a liar (laughs) (laughs) okay so don't say anything mean to us yet wait wait till we we have some some time under our belt but go on those website go on the facebook page like us subscribe on apple music tell people leave a review these things all matter so the more that you can encourage us in our journey to podcasting and we can help you, we're all in on that. So make sure that you go over to all those different places and get all the resources that you possibly can. Do you have anything you'd like to add? Nope. That was good. Oh my gosh. All right. Until <laughs> the next episode. Take care of yourself. Have real conversations and have a great week. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Renewal Session Podcast. Make sure to head on over to iTunes and rate and subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are dropping every Thursday, and I can't wait for you to tune in to next time. Until then, live your best life.